Madame. Oh, okay. I'll do what you got to do. Whatever. Mm. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to the Joe and Joe Weather Show on this Sunday, the 17th of January. And the Joe and Joe Show brought to you by our friends at Omni True Value Hardware, 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon. 631-756-1125 is the telephone number. And the website is omnitruevalue.com. They've got everything you need uh, for all those winter storms that seem to be on the horizon down the road. <laughs> if this block doesn't get out of the way, we'll see. Uh, but to check out omnitruevalue.com. Not only do they have all your winter weather stuff, but pretty soon spring will be knocking on the door and you're going to need mulch. So put that on your list. And remember, they're a local business and support your local businesses, which have had a really tough time in, in, the, uh, in the last year. So omnitruevalue.com uh, is, uh, is the place to go. So welcome, uh, Joe. You'll need that mulch before the uh, the late April blizzard. Yeah, I guess. The um, that'll be when the block finally bro breaks down, I guess, right? Yes, Crazy. exactly, exactly. So, um, welcome to everybody on the chat board uh, uh, this morning. Uh, we I've been spending a lot of my time just trying to hang on. I gotta uh, fix something here, Joe. Just give me a second. Uh, I'm still I'm working on one with one monitor now uh, for the time being, uh, as opposed to two monitors. Uh, so uh, just having a little bit of an issue just trying to juggle everything around. So let me just bring up a couple of things, uh, uh, some subject matter here. First off, thanks for those of you who have already hit the like button. So if you haven't hit the like button, Joe and I love to get 100 likes at least, especially on a Sunday morning. Uh, it, it, it's a uh, it's a good thing to have happen. Also, I just yeah, want six people watching already. So well, you know what? That's pretty good for a Sunday morning. Sunday morning, weather's kind of quiet. Uh, also, I do want to point out for my uh, those of you that are on my weather platform on Patreon, there is going to be a live weather Zoom tonight, and that's going to be at eight o'clock Eastern time. The Zoom links will go up. Uh, after this live stream is over, I'll set them up and, and uh, I'll put the Zoom links up. And this is for those of you who are on my weather platform on Patreon. Again, that's at 8 o'clock Eastern time. And uh, it's if you're interested, it's just 2 bucks a month. And you get all sorts of extra weather, including the live weather Zooms that I try to do once a week, especially when the weather is, is active, which it really hasn't been. Um, Anyway, I have to tell you, Joe, I had some snow here yesterday. I had a yeah, nice, I, I had a nice coating of snow. I um, I walked up to my mailbox, uh, which is about a half mile walk up the side of the mountain, and I noticed that <clears throat> the mountaintops here all have a, a a nice snow cover. And I think I'm going to spend the afternoon. I'm going to uh, take a ride down to Pixley and uh, pick up a. a <laughs> Pick up a few odds and ends <laughs> that I still well, uh, need. You, you all know that Pixley is the big town around here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, and and it, if you're lucky, Joe, maybe you'll run into one of the Bradley sisters. Well, you, know, you, you of, never lots know. Lots of curve, you bet. Uh, Billy Joe. Many more when you get yeah, yeah, to the Death the Junction. <laughs> right. Billy Joe, Bobby Joe, or Betty Joe? I have to tell you, I would when I was like 13, 14 years old. Now, how many of you out there are Met fans? If you're a Met fan and you go back a ways like I do, you'll remember this. Back in 69, Joe, the championship season for the New York Mets, one of their sponsors was Royal Crown Cola. Yes, I remember. They, RC. RC, uh, the uh, one with the mad, mad taste. Yeah, right, the one with the mad, mad taste. They RC. They had a commercial of Meredith McRae, who played Billy Joe yes. on Petticoat Junction, and in, in an exceedingly tight red dress, bopping around with a with a bottle of RC and singing the RC Cola song. And I got to tell you, 
even when the Mets were, were being clobbered 12 to two that season, I would stick around just to wait. Just for that to commercial. watch. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, I hear you. I hear you. So um, I, I, I actually was, I went, I went on the ghost sites. I pulled up the, um, the satellite view, by the way, Joe's monitoring the chat board. So if you guys have any questions or comments, um, or you notice that maybe the audio dropped out or the, the video dropped out or something, just post it on there, and this way we can stay on top of things. So uh, I, I went on the Go site, and uh, I noticed, and this is something that I probably should pay a little more attention to, is that they've added some sectors, uh, and they got a really cool sector here, Joe, I have to uh, bring up, because it's, it's completely relevant to what's going on. This is the North Atlantic uh, view. And if you ever want to see an example of what a block does, this is a perfect, this is the view to look at. And this is certainly the day to look at it because the, uh, uh, the storms that are out here, if you watch the loop very carefully, they are kind of stuck in this huge traffic jam. Uh, and, and they're, and they're not moving. This, uh, this is loop. This loop only goes back about, uh, eight hours or so, but still the movement of these storms is, is relatively minimal. And it sort of explains where we're at right now, because we're not where the storms are. We are where the dry air is in between those storm systems. The, uh, it, it almost looks like a pinwheel right in the middle of the, uh, the monitor, right in the middle of the, uh, the, the view there. And you're oh, right, yeah. there's, it's a, it's a log jam. It's, it's gridlock. There's there's nothing really moving, uh, and this is so different from a year ago when we had that roaring fire hose jet stream which was pushing everything along at record speeds, and now here we are one year later with with a with a very very blocky weather pattern, and uh, yeah the, the the question now is when is this stupid block going to break down? It uh, looks like it's going to be here for a while. And by the way, take a look also from the the one that's in the in the middle there in the Central Atlantic. And then you follow right. the clouds up. Look at all that moisture feed that's going. Uh, it goes northward, and then it turns sharply eastward. That goes right into England and Ireland. I mean, it just right. it is just shooting in there. Uh, that this uh, you know, so so they're getting they're they're being impacted by the block. There's there's a there's a smaller storm that's uh, south of Iceland that is moving southeastward. That looks like it's headed for northern Scotland. So uh, the NAO is not only, obviously the NAO impact has been impacting our weather, but it's had a big impact on the weather in Western Europe. And uh, it's fed into this, um, you know, snowy pattern that we've seen in Europe and the cold pattern that's been in, 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 in Europe. We're going to see our temperatures turn colder this week. Uh, I, I noticed from some comments, Joe, and I, I don't know. Some people seem to have gotten the impression that we were, you know, that that either we were or other people, certainly other people were probably, um, that uh, we were going to have this huge blast of cold air behind this cold front that went through uh, yesterday. That front, by the way, was strong because of what happened ahead of it, not necessarily because of what was going on behind it. Uh, right. I, I right. saw. So there was no real mention here of the fact that we were going to have some kind of bitter blast behind that front. What we're seeing this week is basically a stair step decline uh, in temperatures over the next five days. So that uh, you know each of these upper troughs that are that are moving through. I'm going to try and get my mouse just stopped working here. Hang on a second here. I'm going to bring up the U.S. satellite view. And I might also say, Joe, that the, the 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 talk about how it was going to turn bitter cold this week was due to uh, a few articles about how the uh, the polar vortex split and how it was delivering frigid air to Europe and Asia and how uh oh the the other polar vortex is going to come down and cause frigid weather for us sometime during the upcoming week, which never really was going to be the case. No, it wasn't. It's amazing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's amazing how that uh, how that that kind of that rumor spread. I told you a few days ago that even my uh, even uh, the uh, the uh, the local uh, um, um, town supervisor that we have here in Putnam Valley on his Facebook page, he was you know saying, "Watch out! Next week we're going to see temperatures plummet through the 20s. And it's going to be turning cold and the wind and terrible and blah, blah, blah. And I had to correct him. I said, "No, no, it's not going to be that way." 
at least for the next right. week, it's going to continue to remain near or above seasonal normals. Now, it is going to turn chillier, as you said, Joe, during the course of this week, but it's not going to be anything off the charts. And it's not going to be anything really. No, it'll be a, um, it'll be a little bit. It's going to be a little bit below average starting from, you know, starting right. Wednesday and then Thursday, you know, Thursday, Friday and, and into next weekend. But it's not going to be crazy off the wall cold. I, I don't know that that was ever indicated. By the way, I will tell you, though, if you see this on and I, I saw it on Facebook and I and I and I read it. And it was actually a pretty good, a, a pretty interesting piece. Uh, it was more meteorological and it wasn't really what I would consider clickbait. But severe weather, uh, uh, severe weather Europe is the, uh, the, the, the Facebook page. And they put up an article that really kind of explained in English about the polar vortex and what's what's going on and the splitting and all the rest of it and what the implications may be or may not be down the road. So if uh, those of you who are interested, uh, Severe Weather Europe on Facebook, give it uh, go on that page. I, I can't find the link at the moment. Uh, if I get a chance, I'll get the uh, I'll, I'll find I'll get the link and maybe I'll I'll be able to put it up tomorrow. But it was a very interesting read. And meanwhile, uh, the lake effect snow machine which has been utterly silent. That's the one remarkable thing about the pattern we've been in, Joe, is the fact that the lake effect snow machine is usually working in one form or another, but it has been really kind of dead for much of the first part of this winter. Now it's finally woken mm -hmm. up this week. It's busy today, and it's going to be busy all week long. There are going to be some big snow amounts in parts of western New York and into, uh, into, the, into, the nor into uh, western PA. Right. Um, and uh, you're right. Normally at this time of the year, especially, uh, it's almost a daily uh, occurrence where we read about lake effect being, uh, uh, lake effect advisories being up for some part of Western New York. Uh, and uh, you're absolutely right, Joe. They they did have, I think, right around the end of the year, Buffalo, if I recall, had yeah. something like 20 inches of snow, but it's been it's been more or less dormant ever since. Yeah, exactly. And and you can see on the U.S. Uh, satellite loop here how, how things are in generally, you know, not really moving very much. You have another upper trough to the west, a sort of sprawling uh, upper low end trough that uh, is coming on the heels of the system that is sitting now in uh, Gulf of Maine, Nova Scotia. There's no room here. Not only is there no room, but there's really very little for this to Excuse me. There's very little moisture for this to work with, so we're we're just going to see. I, I think all we're going to see over over the coming days are either you know weak upper troughs that will swing through from time to time to time to time, uh, and I think we might even throw the occasional weak cold front in there uh, to sort of facilitate this stair step decline in temperatures, and and that's about the most exciting thing that happens. Right, and. Uh... Uh, eventually, this 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 is all going to change. I, I can assure you, it will change. I, I think, Joe. A, a lot of people, um, you know, I, I, I'm, from my postings on Facebook over the recent uh, last few days, a lot of people have already thrown in the towel, saying winter is over. I, I still oh, it's really that. it's now, really out of control now. Meteorological winter was just a couple of days. The middle of meteorological winter was just a couple of days ago. And look what you got out of the first half of meteorological winter. You did indeed get a big snowfall. You got two and ten and a half inches, which, by the way, a little bit is still on parts of my property. After, and I saw that. After the extremely warm Christmas day with temperatures in the 60s, the rain, the fog, and then Friday night and Saturday morning, I had over an inch of rain on top. You would think it would all be gone. No, I still have a little bit of lingering, even this morning, still have a little bit of lingering snow from that from that snowfall. So look, you got a big snowfall in the first half of meteorological winter. Now we're going into the second half. It's the second. It's only halfway through uh, the the winter season, meteorologically speaking, and people are already throwing in the towel and saying that's it. It's all over. I I, I don't understand that. Uh, I I there. It, it, I think it's temper tantrums by infants. <laughs> really? No, seriously. If you read some of the stuff, if you really read how a lot of the, the uh, how how they how the sentences are phrased, the first thing that comes to mind is to me, it's like you're you know you're, you're throwing a temper tantrum. What's worse, you're angry at me. I didn't do this. You know, I certainly don't have any control over what happens. So why are you angry with me? And and you know, it's weather for God's sake. <laughs> 
this is how it works. I, Joe, I had let me let me come off the let, let me just let, let me just say about the radar. I know it's the U.S. the Weather Service's radar. Uh, I, I I have to use what's working right now because I'm still trying to figure out everything technically. So uh, I wanted to just show the lake effect, particularly around Syracuse and also the uh, the snow that's going on back in the upper Midwest. This is all light stuff that is rotating around the next trough that's moving eastward. And the bottom line is that all of that is going to um, not get here. So I'm sorry, let me just come back to full screen here for just a moment. Um, I actually had someone point out that, uh, that the Northeast now gets winters that North Carolina used to get, which I thought was one of the one of the more ridiculous statements I've ever seen. And what part of North Carolina, Cape Hatteras, or maybe essentially, Hatteras? I guess, I guess so. They didn't really, they weren't really specific, but um, so so. And I want to hook this up to that article that I read about uh, from from uh, Severe Weather Europe uh, with regards to the splitting of the polar vortex. They pointed out that the pattern is very similar across the northern hemisphere with the splitting of the vortex and how things have behaved. It's been similar to the winter of 1928-1929. So I went back and I looked at the snowfall for New York City in that winter for 1928-29, and it was all of 13 inches for the whole season. Now, uh, I also looked at the surrounding years. That was in the middle of a stretch of five consecutive winters of subnormal snow of 20 inches or less. So, uh, and then if you look at the 20s and the 30s, we had just come out of a cycle of very snowy and cold winters that goes back almost to the, to the start of the, op, the uh, recording of observations in 1869. So in, the, in that 20-year period, uh, the vast... Almost all the winters had below normal snowfall. You could just cherry pick maybe a couple of them that had above normal. Kind of reminded me of the 70s and 80s and 90s, which were, you know, 25 out of 30 winters were below average. So please don't sit here, and not just from snowfall, by the way. I'm talking about, you know, in terms of temperatures also that they were warmer winters. So, you know, please don't sit here and make a con and, uh, 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 for, for uh, some person um, – to make a, co a comment that the Northeast doesn't get cold winters anymore, that we get in winters like, you know, we're, we're, we're getting the climate of North Carolina. It's just really silly. I mean, that's just a silly, silly statement. Yes. And it's it not supported. Here it is. And, and here's the other part of it, Joe. I'm sorry. The other part of it is the statement is driven purely by your anger and your emotion, and it's not driven by the statistics. It's very easy to put up, pull up climate statistics. So whenever those of you who are watching, when you feel uh, that anger, that it's not snowing nonstop from November 1st to, to uh, Memorial Day. So basically from Halloween to Memorial Day, uh, every single day, when you feel that anger coming on, you need to go back and look at stats because I think your perception of what winters are in the Northeast both at the coast and in inland areas, is a little bit distorted. That's all. That's it. I had my That's rant it. for the day. <laughs> and it's only and it's only uh, eleven seventeen in the morning. That's correct. So you're, you're pretty well done for the rest of the day. So I, I agree with you. It, it you know, and we saw this. We we've seen this every single year. And I, what was it about two three years ago? People threw in the towel by uh, the early part of February. And that was when we were beginning to see uh, a change in the pattern and uh, alluding to big changes by the time we got to the end of February. And what happened? In March, we had not one, not two, but four nor'easters, each one bringing a, a, a copious amount of wintry conditions and snow. Yeah. So uh, you, have you never to just, know. You, mean, go with the, you go with what's in front of you, not with your, right. you know, when you're looking at this stuff, and I, I and I and I tell this to the young folks that that are really interested in weather and want to make it a, a career for themselves, especially because they enjoy forecasting and the challenge of it. Once they get over the wish casting need uh, that is there, once you for, you lose that, uh, you know, work with what's in front of you, not 
not what you want to be in front of you. And sometimes it's going to lead you to uh, conclusions in one direction, and sometimes it's going to lead you in conclusions in other directions. And sometimes it's going to leave you in a place where you have to honestly throw your arms up in the air and say, I don't know. It's perfectly okay to say, I don't know. I'm not sure. I need to look at this uh, with, uh, deeper. I need to look at this, uh, uh, you know, maybe tomorrow where I might see things differently. It's okay to do that. And by the way, on the yeah, surface, yeah. yeah, and on the surface map, there's a storm in eastern Can in Maine, a low in Maine that extends east across New Brunswick. And given the blocky scenario that we're in, we're probably likely to see this thing hang around for a while in one form or another. Now, you see, Adam Lowe, I'm monitoring the chat board here. Adam Lowe said, well, last year I threw in the towel in December, and I was correct. But this year, I have not yet thrown in the towel. With all this blocking, we must get one big snow, one big snow snow. I guess he meant snowstorm. Right. But I agree with you. We're not going to... We probably will get one last big snow snow or snowstorm. Yeah, but I, yeah, I don't even see the point of throwing, quote unquote, I don't even see the point of throwing in the towel. I, mean, I just don't. Um, I, 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 I enjoy, you know, whether whatever happens, happens. I have no control of that. So, you know, to give up hope in early December is, I don't know. I just, it's I'm not. Giving it, up hope, Joe. I know. I mean, it's not like, you know. This, 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 it's weather. That's all I'm going to say. It's just weather. We just go with, you know, go with, go with what's going on and, and follow the changes. If you want to throw in the towel and it, it, the, you know, before winter's even gotten underway, that's certainly your choice to do. I don't understand why anybody would do that. I mean, if you're looking for a cheap, if you're looking for a cheap thrill, and we haven't even gone into the discussion about what we can expect locally here for the next week or so, but I mean, if you're looking for a cheap thrill. Look out your window at noontime on, on, on Wednesday, Inauguration Day, and no, that's not confetti. That might very well be a few snow flurries or snow showers falling right. as uh, the uh, the cold winds start to blow and bring in a, a somewhat chillier air mass. Um, it's, not a, it's not a big snowstorm, but, you know, it's the best that we can hope for this upcoming week. And WPC agrees with you, Joe, because right through next Sunday morning, not a flake. Not an ice pellet, not a raindrop, nothing from northern Virginia yeah. up into Maine. A big, giant uh, hole there oh. of no precip. And that's you don't see that very often in the month of January. Yeah, the, uh, it's not, uh, it really doesn't look like a hole. It looks more like a, like a, like a chasm. Yes, exactly. Or a chasm. And, and meanwhile, well, because... And meanwhile, because everything is getting suppressed to the south, you're seeing more uh, rain. Uh, most of this is actually going to be rain, if not all of it, from northeast Texas across through the Carolinas uh, with uh, rainfall amounts uh, you know, still on the order of several inches in some places over the next seven days. The and, and southwest – go ahead, I'm sorry. Me but, I mean, don't mean to interrupt you, but I mean I'm, I'm looking more – the more I look at that uh, – that map from WPC. I mean, you realize how crazy that is? We're talking about a full seven days worth of quantitative precipitation. And what WPC is saying in the middle to latter part of January is, as you just said at the onset, Joe, not a flake, not a raindrop, not an ice pellet, nothing for our area. No, that right. is so weird in the month of January. Any but time the, of the month of January. By the, by the same time, though, take a look up in upstate New York. You, you, you know, it's not that far of a drive to Syracuse and, and also uh, right. to southwestern New York, uh, to Jamestown, uh, where the lake effect machine is going to be working overtime. So you are seeing um, liquid precip amounts well in excess of an inch to uh, three quarters of an inch to an inch and a half. So there are going to be some big snow amounts there. Also, in West Virginia, uh, from uh, southwest PA, in that stripe that goes down where the uh, Appalachians, uh, you know, kind of reach up and come to an end. But uh, you see uh, the uh, precip there also on the heavy side in eastern West Virginia uh, and into, into West Virginia. Now, the further south you go, it's more rain than anything else, but it, it is going to be snow. Uh, in West Virginia itself. Also, the Southwest is actually pretty busy, and we're seeing precip uh, in uh, southern New Mexico, Arizona, and southern California. 
which is, uh, for Southern California anyway, certainly a good thing because they don't want to put themselves into another one of those long-term droughts. And the Pacific Northwest has been kind of quiet, relatively speaking. And they are showing you know, half an inch to an inch, inch and a quarter of liquid, but that's spread out over seven days. That's not anything crazy. And uh, some, you know, some precip up in the northern and central Rockies and back in the Wasatch in, uh, in, in Utah. Uh, but overall, um, yeah, that's, that's weird. That is, you, you hardly ever see a dry patch like that in January. Uh, that, that, that's really right. unusual. Okay, so so yeah, let's. This, go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, as I say, this week uh, we're talking again about getting turning chillier. There really is. It's it's the core of some really intense cold is over James Bay uh, at midweek, and it kind of is is oozing southward, and we are just getting into the barest edge of that ooze, if you will, during the day on Wednesday. But already by the time we get to Thursday, from what I'm looking at here all of that cold air is already lifting out to the north and east. And so whatever we do see in terms of colder conditions will be rather short-lived. But there'll be uh, another, there's going to be another shot, though. There's going to be another push, though, that comes later Friday and for for next weekend. Because there's another high coming. Yeah, but not, I don't think, I don't think, though, maybe, I think, I think the more intense of the two shots is going to be the one on Wednesday. And yeah, you're right, right. it'll turn colder again when we get to next weekend, but... uh, but, well, let, know, let, let, let's, you're looking for those bitter cold. Let, I'm going to run through those bitter cold temperatures. Yeah. It's not happening. Uh, no, no, that, certainly not. If you know, frankly, it, it saves on your uh, marginal cold is fine by me. It, it a little, you know, near or a little bit below normal is okay. Um, the uh, you know when you start to get into those you know get those really cold winters and they're eating up your heating oil and the heating oil and your heating oil bill is going through the roof. You're better off with marginal cold. So let's run through the teleconnections. Uh, where we continue to see the NAO right through the rest of the month and into the first days of February, uh, staying uh, below, uh, staying negative. You get a few members that start to bring it up a little bit toward the end of the forecast period, but all the members seem to be uh, negative for the next two weeks. Plus, uh, the Arctic Oscillation, interestingly enough, is, is negative, some members keep it off the wall negative, by the way, through the end of the 16 days. But you do have a few of them that are trying to show some kind of a spike occurring um, toward uh, uh, during next week. And, uh, and that might be why the models are maybe try, trying to show something breaking through this block to, to, to uh, bring some precip in, um, say, maybe next Tuesday or Tuesday, you know, late uh, next Tuesday seems how what the, the, the time frame uh, and the uh, the other the last thing is the PNA, which I didn't I brought up the wrong one. So hang on a second. Let me get the PNA up here, the Pacific North America Index, and that is going negative, and actually is going strongly negative uh, next week. And I've been I've been theorizing that that may actually be a positive development for snow lovers if only due to the fact that it will open the door to perhaps less suppression less less suppression uh, because the pna going negative means that there's the a ridge is going to try to or want to try to push up in the east but that's being counteracted by that negative north atlantic oscillation so there's going to be some kind of battleground going on here and so again you certainly I, I, you certainly can look at this by saying, well, we've had these teleconnections that have been supposedly in our favor and they haven't done us any good because everything's been sort of, you know, the troughs aren't line and ridges are all in the wrong spot. Uh, well, you know, normally the negative PNA would not be a, 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 a positive development, but perhaps in this case it might be. So let's see. Let's see the new GFS because that much of it is out. I just want to point, Joe, on the European last, you know, yesterday uh, and last night, you know, starting to show that maybe something is going to try to break through this blocky pattern. Here's here's the upper low that swung through uh, uh, Friday, Friday night into Saturday, yesterday, swinging on up into eastern Canada. You can see the building block over Greenland uh, that. Uh, and the, and the Davis Strait that hangs around all of this coming week uh, and into next weekend. Now, of course, you've got some of this energy coming in at the Pacific. I, I think the models could, uh, are having a difficult time reconciling the strength of that blocking high. Joe, that's a big block in northeastern Canada. 
So anything that's going to come east is going to want to, I think, is going to want to be more south than anything else. And I think you're going to see models try to do the opposite at first, and maybe we'll see that further south, further south, further south, as we go through this week and look at the developments on some of the models. It's very strange. The uh, you know you look at the uh, the upper air, and you've got this very dynamic-looking closed upper air system that uh, just came by during this weekend, but that kind of sheared off to the north. Then you've got another one coming in for um, uh, the midweek period. I actually, got a you actually have a, an upper air system moving through tomorrow, but that too kind of shears off to the to the north and kind of flattens out. All of these systems that seem to come into our range of influence uh, seemingly are you know just they they just don't have the the oomph so to speak to uh, intensify. They all seem to be uh, spreading out or flattening out. Somebody asked on the chat board about aren't there any Alberta clippers coming by? Well, there is some sort of a clipper-like system coming through. That's the one I mentioned for Inauguration Day on Wednesday, but that really doesn't have much uh, of a punch to it. There's another one that kind of comes down from Alberta, but flattens out by the end of the week on Friday. And then you look off to the south and west, you say, well, aren't there any you know, Baja systems, closed systems that eventually open up and kick north and eastward and maybe develop some kind of a major coastal system? There, there is one that looks like it's trying to develop by next Sunday, by next weekend, but that too kind of just like flattens out and heads up into the Great Lakes. So right. Well, well, that 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 was on the six Z run. The the zero Z, the eighteen Z, and the twelve Z runs yesterday were actually quite you know bringing, um, you know, tried to to show a a, a major storm going through the box, um, you know, well developed. You know, but of course the problem here is Joe is I think the problem is a matter of room. There's no room. Look at the Atlantic. Look at what we saw showed you on the satellite. We showed on the satellite before, and the and the block, and and the blocking and where the blocking is set up. There's it, it, there's only a, there's only so much room in the atmosphere for stuff to happen. And I think we I think what we're seeing here is a complete lack of room. That, that's that, that's no, just... kind of how I, it boils down to it. To in my view, here's, here's a good analogy. This is I think this. This is great for even those who are not so inclined meteorologically or whatever. Picture this in your mind. You're, you're, you're in the subway, right? And you're waiting for the train that you want to you know, take you to your home base. The train arrives. Now you, well, actually, it's not you. It's, it's, it's somebody else. It's somebody who's a really hefty guy. Let's say 6'5", six, 6'7", six, maybe close to 300 pounds. And he's standing there waiting to get on board the train. Here comes the train. The train arrives. The doors open up, and what happens? He looks inside, and the train is absolutely packed with people. And this guy who represents the potential storm looks at that and say, uh, I don't think so. I'll just I'll stand here, and I'll wait for the next one. The doors close, woof, and that's it. And that's basically what we have here on the weather yep. map. As you just mentioned, there's no room for, 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 the, for any kind of significant storm to uh, step in and develop. So... We're, we're playing the waiting game until it becomes less blocked up whenever the, whenever the heck that may be. Well, I'm looking at this particular, I got the new run of the GFS, which kind of you know, plays off the, the overnight European and the 6Z GFS, uh, where, <clears throat> again, this issue of room. You, you mentioned about Alberta Clippers. Uh, you could see there's a, a little low there up in Northern Lake Superior. But again, that the lack of room and the lack of digging um, takes that week low uh, into upstate New York. And this is on Wednesday morning, little weak upper trough and cold front. Actually, a new low forms near Nova Scotia. Uh, here comes a, a stronger uh, clipper or coming down. Uh, that uh, runs up also well to our north, uh, pushes. You know, I, I think if you want to really make a case here, if you want to make it a stretch, uh, there's a little bit of a, a let's call it a warmish front for Wednesday night into Thursday that produces some snow in upstate New York and, and in Western PA and, you know, some of the blue kind of reaches into the Catskills. So maybe there's a couple a snow shower with that as it goes by. Then you've got a high that comes down rather sizable high and colder air for Friday into the weekend. The weekend does look cold. Now here comes the system. The next one that's coming out of the West. You've got this low in Kansas and see, here's the thing that bothers me about this. 
you know, it tries to take this slow up toward the northern gray. It's got a low in northern Michigan, Joe, with a warm front. I mean, this could kind of imply a front-end thumping possibility here for, you know, next Monday into Monday night for the northeast. Uh, starting, you know, it does show freezing rain down into Virginia. Uh, this is usually a sign to me that there's like some kind of cold front with a little bit of wedging. But what's bothersome to me about this whole idea of taking a load so far north is the fact that you still have this block. I mean, it's not like the block goes away. So why all of a sudden would a low want to come out of, of, of California, move into Kansas, and then run up toward Michigan? Now, it does redevelop south of Long Island. But why would you take – I just guess I'm asking, given the, the way everything is set up and the suppressive nature of, of all of this – why do we suddenly wind up taking a primary that goes up toward northern Michigan? I'm not understanding that. I'm well, not if you look at the upper air with that, if you look at the upper air with that system from uh, late Monday into Tuesday, the 25th and 26th, you've got what appears to be some kind of a short wave that's trying to dig uh, south and east, and it, it looks pretty pretty good. Except, and it even closes off over upstate New York by the time we get to Tuesday morning, the 26th. But unfortunately, all the dynamics is such that it looks like whatever comes out of this is going to be to our north and east. Right. And, but, uh, is the, so but, is, but is that correct? That's, that's, that's my question here, though. Is that correct? Uh, well, if you want to, if you want to get, if, if you might want to hope for this to be even more of a digger, and maybe instead of digging across uh, northern Michigan, the UP of Michigan, and through uh, uh, Lake. Uh, what is that? Lake Huron? Is that Lake right. Huron? Well, instead yeah. Of, yeah, instead of that, maybe, maybe you might want to have a dig more across the lower peninsula of Michigan, across well, the Ohio Valley. You know, well, that that's, that, nice. that's, that's my point, though. You know, th th there's all higher than normal pressures up to the northeast of it. So, I mean, why, why all of a sudden is, is that going to be so far north? Why does it take it so far north into that very, very strong block? I, I'm not... I'm not quite getting this. The other thing is, I just want to go back. Let's just go back to yesterday afternoon's run uh, with this, which was, you know, quite interesting uh, in, in, in many respects. Here's where you had a totally different scenario, Joe. You got the northern stream. The northern stream of the jet was kept completely separate from the south uh, in, in the runs of yesterday. And... You actually had this this several contour cutoff in the southern uh, part of the jet. Uh, here's the the northern part here, and you know th that kind of rolled along and moved off the New Jersey coast. So th this is totally different from what what's being shown now, uh, where you have the southern system actually winds up lifting northeastward uh, toward the toward toward the western lakes. Uh, the right. Western and Central right. Lakes, as opposed to being ejected straight eastward. And again, I go back to the fact that if you look at Thursday's system, there's a system that's moving across the south Thursday into Friday, which was one that back last week, some of the models were bringing it up here. And in reality, it winds up getting, it, it, it's get now suppressed so far south that you can't even get precip up into um, you can barely get precip up into Vir to southern Virginia out of it. So I, I'm I'm at the I'm at a, a stage right now where I'm not I'm I'm very skeptical of, of runs in either direction. I think the models just are going to continue to have a a, a big issue uh, with regards to uh, where all of this is going to be going in, in in the medium and longer term. Uh, well, I'll tell you something. If, it, if things were reversed. If, for example, the upper air that I'm looking at for today's 12Z run were yesterday's 12Z run and yesterday's 12Z run was today, I'd start getting excited. I'd, I'd tell you, my goodness, it looks like that block is indeed holding firm, Joe, and is going to force that upper system to our south. I mean, I'm looking yesterday at all the tremendous uh, height falls right. across Pennsylvania, New Jersey, northern Virginia. Wow, I, that, that, that would be a signal. But instead, it, it is quite the opposite. And uh, yeah, I, I wonder, too. Why is it that with that, such a if, strong block, why is it now that that thing is flying to our north and uh, not showing as much uh, right. intensity? And also, let's up? go back go back to Friday and, and Thursday and Friday in the long range. The system for early for 
for early next week, the, the week of the 25th, 26th, the, the one we're, we're talking about, that one was being shown as being suppressed way to the south. I mean, basically across the Gulf states with the snow in, in Jess Hardenland in Alabama and here in North Georgia. So, so we've seen it now. We've seen it go from taking it, taking a track basically just north of I-10, okay, to, uh, you know, somewhere lower Ohio Valley, Tennessee Valley to, uh, to, to, the, to the East Coast. Uh, now it's gone even further. So we've made a jump from the southern part of the United States to the northern part of the United States. And I, I think, you know, I just think, I just think that there's going to be, there's, there, this is not the final scenario. I, I, I find it hard to believe that the, that the GFS and the, and the, the models nine days ahead of time have already figured out that it's going to the great, you know, this, the primary is going to go to the, the, the lakes and, and uh, there's not going to be more fine tuning uh, in, in this. The block is going to have a lot to say, I think, ultimately into uh, where this all winds up. In my, yeah. in my always never to be humble opinion. Humble opinion. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, by the way, uh, a couple of super chat hits, it seems. And uh, we have Izzy D hitting super chat today. Jess Kaplan, uh, Scott Briller, the chairman. Uh, the only thing that is definite is the Joe and Joe. Thank you, Scott. Very kind. I'm almost embarrassed to say it because I'm turning red. He says, the best meteorologist on the planet. Thank you. And Robert Russo, thank you also for your generosity. So everybody, those of you who have hit Super Chat, thank you. 92 likes. Can we kind of get eight more? Can you sort of nudge it up, folks, and get it over 100, please? Uh, and 152 viewers right now. Thank you very much, all of you, for taking time out of your Sunday for being here. So we have uh, our, our Sunday morning cooking uh, Briller Jeopardy. Uh, that well, is... Wow. Uh, Brought to you by the executive producer herself. <laughs> Before, I'm sure she's hearing, she's upstairs. Wait a minute, no, she's down here. She's already running to, to get into our Joe She's running to throw you off the, off the air, Joe. <laughs> uh, before we get to her, I just want to get to uh, a question that was uh, uh, brought to the floor by, uh, by Tim Veltman, a quick Jeopardy question. Uh, in honor of another Texas snowstorm. This goes back uh, several days. And here's the Jeopardy answer. The last date Austin, Texas recorded at least one inch of snowfall from a storm since records began in 1927. That was the, that's the Jeopardy answer. So what was the last time that Austin, Texas recorded at least an inch of snow from a storm since records began in 1927? I am going to say... Oh God, I don't know. Um, I want to say that it's happened in the last twenty years. Yes, it has. Okay. Yes, it has, as Mr. Otori used to say. So I'm going to use my head here. I'm just going to kind of break it down. So the oh, last don't time, use, don't use your head, Ralph, because right. if you use your head, if you think, you get yeah. into trouble. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say two. Th you know what? It's either I'm going to say that it's either 29, uh, 2009, two, the winter of 29, 20, uh, uh, 2009, 2010, or 2010, 2011. Because I'm thinking that those were two big NAO years, and that kind of matches up with what we got. No? <laughs> All right. Well, it was, you know. And the question was what was February 14th, Valentine's Day, 2004? Oh, I guess I would never have known. 1.6 inches of snow that day in Austin. Closest they came since then was not in the way you were you were right here, 0.9 inches on February 4th, 2011. And the last time at least two inches fell in Austin was January 2nd, the day after New Year's, 1989. Believe it or not, they had just shy of four inches of snow on that day, 3.9 inches in Austin, Texas. All right. Okay, so let's talk food. And I haven't even had breakfast yet, by the way. Um, oh, so well, I have to, we're just, we're you know, here. I'm going to have to go to the hen house in a little while. <laughs> 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 Good. 
Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Okay. Are you excited for this morning's Sunday morning's Jeopardy? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Let's see how much, how, 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 if I, if the first time we did this, I did pretty good. Last time I didn't do so hot. So let's see if the downtrend continues. <laughs> well, I think the first one's pretty darn easy. Thank you, uh, Scott Brillard, for the uh, Jeopardy questions this morning. Okay, we've got um, 10 questions plus the bonus. Here we go. All of the following are examples of a flambe, except for one. Is it A, Steak Diane, B, Bananas Foster, C, Cherry's Jubilee, or D, Crepes Maria? What was the first choice? Steak Diane, B, Bananas Foster, C, Cherry's Jubilee, or D, Crepes Maria? I'll say the, I'll say the Steak Diane, but I honestly don't know the answer you to that. You know what? That's what I think the answer is, too. And... Here he's got answer D, crepes Maria. I, I don't even know. I don't know. I don't even know Maria. I don't know Maria Crepes. Do you know her? I don't. No, I've never heard of her. <laughs> you know. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, somebody's gonna have to look that one up. See, Christina Pedia says um, steak Diane. So does Jason. Okay. So, I think so that's. The steak Diane, I think, is is basically a steak, um, in uh, so, some sort of like a, 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 a sauce, right? Um, it's sauce. So, okay. Anyway, all righty. Um, here we go with question number two. A roux would be made with equal parts flour. And oh wait, a roux. A roux. Spell that. R O U X. A roux. Oh, a roux, whatever that is. Okay, go on. Okay. You don't watch the cooking channel very much. <laughs> I watch, you know, I watch from some from time to time. I, I, I really, I, I, I try to watch Lydia and uh, occasionally Did the bear. Lydia. Yeah. yeah, and the uh, Barefoot Contessa. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I really don't watch a whole lot of cooking shows, but go on. Anyway, a roux is made out of equal parts of flour and what? Sugar, butter, water, or vinegar? A roux. A roux. R-O-U-X, you said? Yes. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try to do this by... I, okay. Flour, flour, and flour, and okay. flour and water. Flour and water would... I'm going to eliminate which probably means that's the right answer, but I will eliminate that. Um, okay, so I'm not thinking it's flour and butter, so that leaves flour and vinegar, and what's the other choice? Sugar. I can't imagine why you would put flour and vinegar together, so let's go flour and sugar. The answer is butter. It is so butter. Basically, that paste that you need in order to make Pie, this sauce. A sauce, whether okay. Whether it be gravy, whether it be, a, you know, gravy, like brown gravy, mm -hmm. or um, uh, you need a roux to make um, a, a cheese sauce for macaroni and cheese. So that's what a roux is. Okay. And if you watch any kind of cooking shows, even the Barefoot Contessa makes. I know. Roux. I mean, she probably she probably on the shows that I've watched or didn't have any need to make a roux. <laughs> okay. Okay. Number three. What type of cookware is stir fry usually cooked in? Is it a saucepan, a wok, rice cooker? Well, don't they a use a wok to do to, to, to stir fry? That's correct. Okay, so I got one right. Question number four. Coco Vin is a Coco Vin, yes. They used to have it all the time on Bewitched. Dish. Yes. <laughs> With what as main ingredient? Isn't it chicken? chicken? It's chicken. It's chicken, yes. <laughs> Very good. Okay, question number five. What are canopies? Is it a savory dessert pastry, meat and cheese plates, 
small open-faced sandwich? Oh, it's the dessert pastry. Okay, the answer is supposed to be C. Now, um, see, I know it, it's a open-faced sandwich. That's we're talking about canopies. Canopies, you know, you hand out canopies uh, at a at a dinner party before dinner. Or, oh, that's right. Because I was thinking of the I Love Lucy episode where she was she was serving canopies, as she said, they're really gooey. <laughs> okay. Oh, I guess they could be. Depends on what's on your. I I thought canopy. they were a dessert. <laughs> no, it's uh, it, it, it that's what you serve as as um, appetizers. Yeah, like pigs in a blanket. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay, question number six. When you coat a food in flour and breadcrumbs before frying, it is called A, deglazing, B, dredging, or C, dressing. I'll say the second when, one. When you coat, right, that would be dredging. Dredging. Um, I, dredged, I dredged just the other day uh, <laughs> with boneless chicken thighs, but go on. That's right. I but I digress. Go on. What does the term baste mean? Does it mean cook overnight, cook on high, or bathe food in its juices? Bathe. What bathe food in its juices? Question number eight. How many teaspoons make one tablespoon? Three. Very good. And what does julienne mean? Does it mean to chop into cubes, toss everything together, marinate overnight, or cut into thin strips? Thin, the thin strips. Okay. Thin very strips. Good. Question number 10. The average person consumes how many pounds of grapes a year? Okay, since I, I really don't care for grapes, but go on. <laughs> Is it A, four pounds, B, eight pounds, C, 12 pounds, or D, 16? The average person? Average okay, so now here's my question. Grapes. Does part of that consumption include wine, since wine is made from grapes? <clears throat> because if, if because if the if that if if the answer to that question is yes, then the answer to your question is that the numbers don't go high enough. Okay. So I would guess uh, it means just eating raw grapes. All right, you know, I I can't conceive of eating four pounds of grapes in a year, but they are very popular. Most people do get them. So I will say it's, it's either going to be, I'll rule out the bottom number and the top number and take, leave it between the middle two. So I'll go for the, um, what was it? 12? The eight pounds or 12 pounds? 12. I'll say 12. Okay. The answer was B, eight pounds. Okay. But my logic was there. It was going to be eight or 12. So I went, I, I went 12. <laughs> okay. Um, bonus question. What is the chairman's favorite soft drink? It's worth two points, he says. <laughs> okay. Is it a Diet Coke, a Snapple, a Pepsi, or a cream soda, or a ginger ale? You know what? I, my, I'm I don't like this too, by the way. I'm going to say cream soda because... Most, it would not be on the list. I don't believe it would be put on the list randomly as one of the choices. So I'm going to say cream soda, which cream I, by the way, is. which by the way, I, I abhor. <laughs> I, Joe happens to like cream soda as well. No, I, yeah. I, I cream yeah. soda is, no, it's That's a big, different. it's a big negative. Well, that was fun. Actually, I didn't, you know, it was a, I started a, a slow start, but a, a strong finish, I think, today uh, for yeah, these not questions. Bad. Yeah. You did okay. But I'm surprised for someone who uh, is really into cooking like you are, you don't watch more of the cooking shows, Food Channel. I don't, I, I, I honestly, because I don't, I honestly don't watch a lot of television in general. So, and I, and I don't always, the TV is not on a lot. So if I happen to turn it on and it's a cooking show, like on Sundays, I'll watch Lydia because I, I do enjoy the Italian stuff that she does. I um, love Lydia. Lydia is very good, you know, very good, very inspiring. Um, mm -hmm. 
Sometimes every once in a while I'll watch what was it the the one on uh, on what channel is it where they do the ch uh, Chopped. I'll watch Chopped. Mm -hmm. uh, and where they give you like all these weird combination Ooh. ingredients and you have to Star come up with something. Like you know, one time, one time I watched it and they gave somebody, they gave them uh, ghost peppers to work with. And one of them, um, one of them actually used it as part of the ingredient of what they made. And then they come and tell you, they told them afterwards, says, you know, you realize that someone can die from eating a ghost pepper. And I'm thinking, why would you even put that as an ingredient? What's oh, what's wow. that? And I, I, yeah, why would they put that in the basket? Yeah. Yeah, they put a ghost pepper in the basket. And I mean, a few of them just kind of use it as a garnish, but I wouldn't even put it on somebody's plate for Christ's sake. You could kill somebody with a ghost pepper. Is that is that a really sharp hot pepper? Oh, yeah, no, it's out of control. It'll make your eyes fall out. It yeah, makes a yeah. hollow it it, it 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 makes a jalapeno look like a breath mint. <laughs> okay. So yeah. My, my favorite my favorite uh as far as cooking shows is concerned is America's Test Kitchen. Oh I love um, no no, I love that. I Renata, I love they, America's they Test Kitchen. It. Yeah, yeah. They they go through that very thoroughly and they explain the science and everything. And Good Eats, um, too, with Alton Brown. I haven't Good seen Eats that. The science. Um, you know, he has the goofy characters in there sometimes um, to explain the science, but I, you know. America's you know, Test Kitchen showed a real, years like ago, America's Test Kitchen years ago showed a uh, a way of cooking a roast beef at, at a low temperature with a digital thermometer so that it comes out perfectly medium rare from the, from the one end through the middle to the other. And mm -hmm. I, I, I started, I followed that, uh, you know, that scheme that they, that they showed. And I have to tell you, it's perfect every single time. You, you will never overcook a roast beef ever again. Uh, you cook it to, you cook it at 200. And if I remember correctly, you cook it at 225 degrees uh, with a digital thermometer until it reaches 115. When, when the meat temperature reaches 115, you, you, you turn the oven off and you let the meat sit in the oven until the temperature rises to 130 because it keeps rising because, you know, the heat just right. doesn't go away in the oven. It still says warm. When you, and you take it out at 130, when you do that and you slice it, it's absolutely perfect medium rare from one end to the other. It's cooked. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how that comes out. Yeah, I, I enjoy America's Test Kitchen very much. Yeah. yeah. All right. Oh. All right. I'm gonna. So say, uh, yeah, get Mr. Ham sandwich. Everybody, and I'm gonna switch chairs again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Take care. Take care, Renata. Well, that was interesting. We're I, we're we're in the midst of taking our tree down, believe it or not. Well. Oh, he's a yours here. <laughs> By, by the All way, right. we're, we're wrapping up the show with 112 likes, and uh, thank you very much. Uh, knock, knock. Knock, knock. And uh, once again, just as a reminder. Oh. I said knock, knock, Joe. Who, who's there? Accordion. Accordion who? Accordion to the newspaper. It's going to get sunny later today. Oh, good Lord. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> uh, Joseph, no one we're going to bring on. No one we're going to bring on as a as a guest. Somebody who somebody who responds to an email. Yeah, I. I wouldn't it be good if we get Norm Devoskin to come on and just have him crack jokes for a half an hour? Oh, I'd love to have Norm on, but this, you know, help. Maybe he knows how to use Zoom. I don't know. Yeah, that's See, a good question. You know, if, know if if you have his email, because I don't. If you want to reach out to him. You know, he's probably out playing tennis anyway because he loves to play tennis. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Let me just remind everybody tonight on uh, on my uh, weather platform on Patreon uh, is uh, Zoom night. Uh, and that'll be at 8 o'clock Eastern time. So to my Patreon members who are watching the show, mark it down. The links will be up shortly. If you're not a member of Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash meteorologist Joe Chaffee. And uh, it's just two bucks a month. 
for the base tier and uh, appreciate uh, the support. So thank you very much uh, for considering it. And uh, you and I are back tomorrow. It looks like I think I got all the little technical bugs worked out. I'm, I'm, I'm almost afraid to say it, but you know I've been trying to figure the optimal streaming speed and, and range uh, and uh, I seem to have kind of hit on something here. I'm kind of sort of in a comfortable zone. So let's let's hope that continues uh, tomorrow. So have a great Sunday. You too, sir. And we'll see you all tomorrow night. See you tonight. See you tomorrow night, everybody.